1 Samuel chapter number 18. And we are going to try to get right uh, through the entire chapter. I believe we'll be able to do that this evening. 1 Samuel chapter number 18. And before we get into the, the study, we'll, we'll look at verses 1 through 5 of 1 Samuel chapter number 18. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 18, verse 1, And it came to pass, when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul, that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would let him go no more home to his father's house. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him and gave it to David and his garments, even to his sword and to his bow and to his girdle. And David went out whithersoever Saul sent him and behaved himself wisely. And Saul set him over the men of war, and he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants." And so as we study this chapter, we know that this is the chapter right after these are the events that happened uh, fairly after, not just right after David had killed Goliath. Uh, David had conquered that, that enemy of the, the Philistine army, that, that giant of Goliath. And so we see here uh, David and Jonathan developing a, a tight-knit relationship. But we also see something else in this chapter. We see Saul becoming envious, jealous, of David and acting in a way that's not noble, acting in a way that's not uh, that no dignitary should act. And so we see uh, the title of the message this evening is the green eyed monster called jealousy, the green eyed monster called jealousy. We could have said uh, being green with envy. And, and we'll talk a little bit about that, uh, the distinction between envy and jealousy this evening. Um, uh, listen to this story. I'm not sure if this story is true or not, but it makes a great application to the message this evening. There was a rich brother and a brother that was a contractor. So you had one guy who was filthy rich, uh, the other guy who was pretty well off as a contractor, but nowhere near uh, as rich as his, his, uh, his brother. And through the years, the contractor brother had always told his, his, his rich brother the kind of house that he ultimately wanted to build for himself. And so the problem was that he just did not have enough money to build that exact house. And so the rich brother decided to bless his contractor brother uh, for his 60th birthday. He gave his contractor brother some drawings and he asked him to build a certain house. Of course, he didn't tell him uh, who the house was for. He didn't tell him all the details. Uh, he said, hey, build this house. Uh, he told his brother, hey, don't spare any expense. Get, get the, the nicest materials. Get the, the best uh, amenities. Put everything into this house. And he wanted the house to be perfect. Once the contractor brother opened the drawings, he noticed that it was the exact type of house that he always wanted to build for himself. He noticed that, wait a second, my brother is building this house he assumed that his brother was building it for himself, and, and so uh, his brother was building a house just like the one that he had wanted for years, and uh, it had all the same amenities that he wanted. The contractor brother got upset. He got angry, and he said this. He said, I'll fix him. I'll fix him. And so the contractor brother, in order to build this house that his rich brother uh, asked him to build, he bought inferior materials. Uh, he bought the cheap uh, uh, wood, he bought the cheap, uh, uh, everything. Everything he bought, he bought on the cheap, the cheapest that he could find. And everything was built with low quality materials. 
Now, we're going we're gonna to leave that there for now. We'll pick up that story here in just a moment. Uh, but stay with me, if you will. Uh, in 1 Samuel chapter number 18, we see David's life changing dramatically. He has just uh, basically won one of the greatest victories in the history of the nation of Israel. Uh, obviously, we know, we think of the great victories for the nation of Israel, uh, them being delivered from Egypt. That's a great victory. Uh, we know the victory over the Amalekites where Moses' uh, arms had to be held up. That was a great victory. Uh, we know the great victory victory of them uh, the, at Jericho where, where they marched around the walls and, and they fell flat. A great victory. But this here, the Philistines have been for years, have been a thorn in the side of the Israelites. The Philistines have been an antagonist, an enemy of the Israelites for years. And, and each day they would come and, and Goliath would come and, and he would challenge the nation of Israel. He would say, uh, Bring me a man, anyone, one of your soldiers to, to fight me. And, and eventually David saw this and, and David said, is there not a cause? He's just a young boy and the older men are saying, hey, get out of here, you little brat. You don't belong here. You're just here uh, being silly. And his brother said, hey, go away. You don't need to be here. And David said, no, 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 we can't let this, this man defy, denounce. We can't let him curse our God. And God graciously gave him the strength and the power and the ingenuity to take his sling and, and, and hit Goliath square in the head. And he fell over and he chopped his head off with his own sword. A tremendous victory. A tremendous victory. And so we see here that everyone in the nation of Israel was happy with David. Everyone loved David. Everyone was grateful for what David had done. Everyone except for one person. The king of Israel. Everyone was glad at what he had done, except for Saul. He's the first king of the nation. Uh, he was, as the Bible tells us, head and shoulders above everyone else. You would have thought that him, being the biggest of the Israelites, that he would have stood up to Goliath, that he would have fought that fight. But no, he cowered. He was afraid. He feared Goliath. And then he sees this young teenage boy, David, go and defeat Goliath. And he doesn't like that. He doesn't like the fact he feels like David has shown him up. He feels like David has, has done what he should have done. And, and, and so we see the animosity, we see the jealousy, uh, we see the envy that he has towards David. Now, I want to talk uh, real quick before we get into the points this evening um, about envy versus jealousy. Envy versus jealousy. They're not identical. They're not the same. Uh, they're not exactly synonyms, although they are similar. All right. Uh, I look this up. Vocabulary.com says this. Envy is when you want what someone else has. When you want what someone else has. But jealousy is when you're worried that someone's trying to take what you have. Okay, that's one way of putting it. Uh, Merriam-Webster.com puts it this way. Uh, on that website, it says both jealousy and envy are often used to indicate that a person is covetous of something that someone else has. But jealousy carries the particular sense of, quote, zealous vigilance and tends to be applied more exclusively to feelings of protectiveness regarding one's own advantages or attachments. In the domain of romance, MiriamWebster.com goes on to say, in the domain of romance, it is more commonly found than envy. If you were to say your salt shaker collection fills me with jealousy, most people would take it to mean much the same as your salt shaker collection fills me with envy. And so in that regard, they can be synonymous or close to being synonymous. But if someone made a flirtatious comment to your spouse, 
uh, you would likely say that it calls you jealousy and not envy. And so they are different. They're not the same. But for the sake of this particular message and in this particular passage, uh, we'll use them interchangeably. Jealousy and envy, understanding that they're not they're not identical, but similar. All right. So let's get right into it. Point number one. Point number one. We see the approval of David, the approval of David. First Samuel, chapter 18, verse number one. Let's look at that verse once again. It says, and it came to pass when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. And Jonathan, look at it, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. He loved him dearly. He loved him tremendously. He loved him greatly. Uh, so much so, uh, it's, it's almost as if it's a, it's a, 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 a husband and wife type of love. Obviously, we know that it's not corrupt type of love, but nonetheless, he loved him that much. Uh, he really, truly, sincerely loved David. Now, don't forget, Jonathan also was a courageous young man. Jonathan, who was the son of Saul, who was the prince, if you will, of the kingdom, uh, was to inherit the throne uh, uh, on the passing of Saul. Uh, he uh, was also a courageous. He was also a very brave young man. In 1 Samuel chapter number 14, uh, just a few chapters earlier, uh, we have the story of Jonathan and his armor bearer killing just those two men, killing 20 Philistines. Uh, if you read the story in 1 Samuel chapter 14, you think, wow, this is incredible. These guys are, are courageous. These guys are brave. Again, David was courageous. David was brave. Uh, he killed the Philistine in defense of the nation of Israel. And also, Jonathan was courageous. Jonathan was brave. And he killed uh, 20 Philistines in defense of the nation of Israel. Hey, these two, they were two peas in a pod. I mean, they were young, courageous, brave young men that loved their country and loved their God. And obviously, they loved each other. And so, they were kindred spirits, if you will. Now, look at 1 Samuel chapter 18. Look at verse number 3. Verse number 3. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. How many of you, this, anytime I read this, I don't know why I think this. How many of you remember when you would make, a, 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 what was it, a, a blood uh, when, when you would cut your finger and your friend would cut their finger and, and you'd make like a blood. What was it? What's it they used to call that? Yeah, you'd be blood brothers, right? Y'all remember that? <laughs> I, I don't remember ever doing that. Uh, but I remember people doing that, right? I can kind of picture Jonathan and David saying, hey, we're going to be blood brothers. Like you and I, man, we're, we're going to be tight forever. Like we're always going to be, you know, knit to each other. We're always going to be friends. That's kind of what I picture here. Verse number four. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe. That was upon him. Remember, he was next in line for the throne. The robe that was upon him and gave it to David and his garments, even to his sword and to his bow and to his girdle. Uh, Jonathan loves David. Uh, Jonathan and David have a, a, a love for each other, a, a healthy uh, man-to-man love for each other. Now look at verse number five. Look at verse number five. And David went out whithersoever Saul sent him and behaved himself wisely. And Saul sent him over the men of war. And he, look at this, he was accepted in the sight of all the people uh, and also in the sight of Saul's servants. So Jonathan, the king's son, loves David. All the people love David. Uh, Saul's servants love David. Everyone loves David. Look at it, verse number six. And it came to pass as they came when David was returned from the slaughter of the Philistine that the women came out of all cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tabrets and with joy and with instruments of music 
Look at here. And the women answered one another as they played and said, Saul hath slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. So, so we see uh, Saul, uh, Jonathan loves David. Uh, we see uh, Saul's servants love David. Uh, we see all the people love David. We see uh, the women. Man, everyone loves David. David, man, he's the hero. David, man, everyone's excited to see him. I uh, mean, he's accomplished something tremendous, something great. And everyone says, man, that guy, David, he's great. He's done something big. Everyone loves David. And even Saul is pretending to love David. Look at verse 2. Look at verse 2. He's pretending to love David. Verse 2, and Saul took him that day and would let him go no more home to his father's house. Uh, he's secretly acting as if he, he wants David around. He's secretly acting and pretending as if he likes David, uh, even though he's really truly trying to destroy him. You see, everyone loved David. Everyone was uh, happy for and with David except for King Saul. So we see, number one, we see the approval of David. Number one, everyone loved David because of what he had done. Look at, let's look at number two. Point number two. We see the animosity towards David. So all the people, the women singing, uh, Jonathan, uh, Saul's servants, everyone, all the nation loving David except for Saul. We see the animosity towards David. Uh, letter A under point number two, we see the envy. 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 Uh, jealousy, envy, whichever word fits. I mean, he's got this. Look at verse number eight of first Samuel 18. Verse number eight. And Saul was very wroth. He was angry. He was upset. Uh, he had, uh, uh, he was envious. He was jealous. And Saul was very wroth and the saying displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed unto David ten thousands and to me they have ascribed but thousands. I, I can't believe they sang that. I can't believe they're saying that about him. Uh, who's he think he is? He's not more important than me. Uh, I'm the king here. Hey, I'm, I'm the, the, the military leader of this nation. Uh, why, how, why are they saying that? Look at it. Verse number, verse number 8 again. And Saul was very wroth, and the saying displeased him. And he said they have ascribed uh, unto David ten thousands. To me they have ascribed but thousands. The last part of verse 8. And what can he have more but the kingdom? He's saying, man, this guy, he's going to take everything I have from me. Hey, this guy is going to come in and, and he's going to ruin everything that I got going on. Uh, he's going to take away uh, my kingship. He's going to take away. He's already taken the loyalty of the people. Man, I don't like this guy. Look at verse number nine. And Saul eyed David from that day and forward. You know what that means that he eyed David? It's like when the Bible says, uh, about Judas, referring to the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, it says about Judas that uh, from that day forward, he, he was looking for an opportunity to betray him. The Bible says that in, in, in the New Testament. Uh, he was looking for a chance to get him. He was looking for that, that one little moment where I, I said, I can, I can attack him now. That's what he's doing here. It's the same spirit. It's the same attitude. He's eyeing him up. He's looking him in. He's, he's trying to figure out when can I get him? When can I attack? When can I pounce when can I destroy him? Saul is now jealous and envious of David. You see, envy and jealousy can cause a person to think and to do things that are unreasonable and that are harsh. Let's look at some Bible examples of people that were jealous or envious, so to speak, uh, and they did some crazy things. You remember uh, Joseph's brothers? Joseph's brothers. Joseph had those dreams. He told his brother about his dreams, and, and they looked at him like, are you crazy? You're the youngest man. Uh, you're, you're, you're a nobody. 
uh, you're just you're just the, the, the runt of this litter. And who do you think you are? You think we're going to bow down to you? You say mom and dad are going to bow down to you? You're nothing, Joseph. Uh, the Bible says that uh, they hated him in Genesis. They hated him and they could not speak peaceably unto him. That's how much anger, how much uh, uh, they were just mad at him because he told them these dreams. Of course, we know what they did. Uh, they, they, they were going to kill him. And, and Reuben said, no, let's not kill him. And, and they decided, well, let's sell him. And they eventually uh, they sold him into slavery. In Acts chapter 7 and verse 9, the Bible says this, and the patriarchs, that's, that's the 12 sons of, 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 uh, of Jacob. The patriarchs, they moved with envy. They moved with envy and they sold Joseph unto Egypt, but God was with him. Jealousy and and, and envy makes us do things that are unreasonable, do things that are crazy, do things that we normally would not do. Uh, Let's look at another example. The Lord Jesus Christ was also crucified partly due to envy. The Bible says in Mark chapter 15 and verse 10, For he knew that the chief priests had delivered him for envy. They were mad. They were upset. They were jealous of, of his power, jealous of his, uh, his sway, his, 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 his influence. They were jealous of the people that obeyed and followed him. They were jealous of him, and they delivered him up to be crucified. James chapter 3 and verse 16, the Bible says, For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. For where, where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. I think about times in my life where I felt jealousy or envy rise up. I think about times in my life where uh, I felt jealousy and envy rise up and, and, and I pushed it down. I said, no, we're not going uh, to act upon that. We're not going to make decisions based on that. Uh, I think about times in my life where I allowed jealousy and envy to rise up and I did make decisions based on that. Those are times in my life where I look back and I regret the decisions or the actions that I partake, partook in at those times. Anybody else like me? When I acted in jealousy, when I acted envious, and I, and I, I was unreasonable, I was harsh, or, or, or I, was just, I was doing things that was not normal, and, and, and I look back and say, man, if you just got a hold of that thing. Where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. And every evil work. Uh, Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 30, the Bible says, A sound heart is the life of the flesh, but envy the rottenness of the bones. The rottenness of the bones. We see the animosity towards David. We see letter A, envy. We see letter B. Letter B, we see enmity. Enmity. Not just envy, but also enmity. Uh, And this is just pure hatred. Uh, Just pure disdain. I mean, he can't stand David. Look at uh, 1 Samuel 18. Look at verse number 12. Verse number 12. And Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him and was departed from Saul. Uh, Interesting how uh, the Lord departed from Saul. And, uh, of course, this is Old Testament. Uh, The Holy Spirit did not indwell uh, believers then. And so uh, he would come and and he would use a person to accomplish a work. And then he would not remain upon them like like in the New Testament, of course. Uh, But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. And and Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him. Look at verse 13. Verse 13. Therefore Saul removed him from him. And made him his captain over a thousand, and he went out and came in before the people. And David behaved himself wisely in all his ways, and the Lord was with him. 
Wherefore, when Saul saw that he behaved himself very wisely, he was afraid of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he went out and came in before them. Now, I use this quote uh, when we did our last, when Pastor and I did our last roundtable discussion about the biblical eunuchs. Uh, and, and I think this is a powerful quote, and I, and I think it applies to Saul here. Uh, what we don't understand, we fear. What we fear, we judge as evil. What we judge as evil, we attempt to control. What we can't control, we attack. We attack. You see, it says here in 1 Samuel 18 that he was afraid of David. Uh, and, and, and because he was afraid of David, uh, uh, he, he says, well, he must be bad. He must be bad. And, and if he's bad, then, then, then I must control. Then I must control him. And if I, if I can't control him, then I must attack him. That's the attitude that Saul has here in 1 Samuel chapter 18. Uh, Saul wanted David away from him. And remember, in verse 2, uh, he told him, hey, don't go home to your father anymore. He's pretending. He's faking. He's not truly wanting him to be around. Uh, and so here we see uh, he was convicted by David's godly character, his, his, uh, David's godly behavior. It's funny how uh, people that are in sin don't want godly people to be around them. It's convicting for them. It's convicting for them. You ever been there in a workplace where uh, people are telling an off-collar joke and they know you're the Christian, they know you're the believer, they know you're a church person and, and you come around and all of a sudden they start, they change the conversation. I like that. I'm glad they do that. Uh, or, or you're around where, you know, uh, the, maybe you go around the guys and they're talking about things that are inappropriate or things that they shouldn't, you know, be doing or, or talking about and, and you come around and they change the conversation. I like this one. Uh, when I go around people and, and I'm in a secular workplace or around secular, you know, unsafe people and, uh, and they'll use, you know, foul language. I'm going to say, oh, oh, I'm sorry. And you know what I say to them? I say, look, I'm not God, but I appreciate you, you know, watching what you say. I, you don't have to answer to me. But I'm glad that you're tempering your words because a representative of the King of Kings is in your presence. Amen? I like that. And so nonetheless, John chapter 3, verse 19 through 21 tells us this. Uh, and this is the condemnation that light has come into the world uh, and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. Saul knows he's in the wrong, and David's behaving himself godly, and he's being immoral, he's being upright, and Saul can't stand it. Saul hates it. Um, uh, For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. Saul literally hates David. Saul hates everything that David stands for. Saul hates everything that David represents. Saul can't stand any, I mean, just the thought of David makes his skin crawl. That's where Saul is. Uh, He's jealous. He's envious. He's angry. He hates him. Let's look at letter C. Letter C. Uh, We see envy. We see enmity. We see letter C, entanglement. Entanglement. Listen, if we don't stop the process... Uh, if we don't stop it when we start to feel that jealousy and that envy, we don't stop it there. It's going to get to the point where we hate the person, enmity. And if we don't stop it there, eventually we're going to do something we're going to regret. We have to stop the process. Look at First Samuel chapter 18. Look at verse number 10. <clears throat> verse number 10. And it came to pass on the morrow that the evil spirit from God came upon Saul and he prophesied in the midst of the house. And David played with his hand 
as at other times. And there was a javelin in Saul's hand. And Saul cast the ja- <laughs> he cast the javelin, for he said, I will smite David even to the wall with it. And David avoided out of his presence twice. Saul had a javelin. He had a spear in his hand. And he says, man, I'm going to kill this guy. And he threw it at David, trying to literally stake him to the wall, trying to thrust him through and take his life from him. And David, the Bible says that David was playing. He was playing with his hand. We all know that David, the Bible tells us that he played the harp. So here's David playing. Here's David uh, praising. Here's David singing. uh, And Saul is trying to destroy him. Saul is so enraged. Saul is so envious. He's so jealous that he wants to take David's life. In David's hand was a harp, an instrument of worship. In Saul's hand was a javelin, an instrument of war. In David's hand was a harp, an instrument of healing. In Saul's hand was a javelin, an instrument of hurting. Listen, the question I have for us tonight, White Oak Baptist Church, is what instrument is in our hands? Is it a harp that's for worship, for healing, for helping? Or is it a javelin that's for war, for attacking, for destruction, for hurting? Where are we? Where are we in this in this scenario? Place yourself in this scenario. Which one are you? Would you be considered tonight? Would you be considered a Saul? Or would you be considered a David? See, both of these men are leaders. Both of these men have been anointed. Uh, both of them uh, are, are supposed to be examples for the rest of the nation. But listen, one of them is on his way up and the other one is on his way down. One of them is growing closer to God. The other one is getting further and further and further from God. Uh, One of them is is leading people to worship God, and the other is, unfortunately, unbeknownst to him, he's leading people away from God. Which one are we? Which one are we? You see, Saul, who was anointed to be the king, he's losing his anointing. He's diminishing his call. Uh, He's throwing spears. He's cutting down. He's, He's trying to destroy Whereas David, man, he's been anointed. Uh, He's following the leadership of the Lord. He's growing in grace. Uh, He's getting closer to God. He's growing in his desire to please the Lord. Listen, if we're if we're like Saul, where we're jealous, we're envious, we're angry, we're upset, and we don't stop that process, eventually we're going to be entangled and we're going to do something. We're going to throw stones. We're going to be, there is... There are words that speak like the piercings of a sword, Proverbs says. Uh, we're going to start cutting and slicing and dicing. We're going to be like Peter uh, when, 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 when Malchus came and, and he was part of that group trying to arrest the Lord. And he took out his sword and he chopped off his ear. Y'all remember that passage in the Garden of Gethsemane? And what did the Lord do? He said, hey, put your sword away. Right now is not the time for the sword. Put your sword away. And he picked up Malchus's ear and he placed it back on his head. See, what Peter was doing, he was acting in the flesh. He was acting in his emotion. And he was like, no, they're not going to. And he starts cutting and slicing and dicing. And listen, some people in church or at home or in the workplace, that's how they respond. 
you upset them or you cross them or, or, or you might do something that they're ending and they start slicing and dicing and cutting and attacking and they're acting like Peter in the Garden of Gethsemane. They're acting like Saul in 1 Samuel chapter 18. There is that speaketh like the piercings of a sword. I hope and pray that we're not using our words to cut down. I hope and pray that we're using our words to lift up, to build up, to worship, to sing praises to God. I hope that we're using our words and our language and our attitude and our behaviors to encourage people and not tear people down. Uh, By the way, I I find this very interesting in 1 Samuel chapter 18. Saul threw the javelin at, at, at David. David dodged it. He avoided it. But notice... He didn't grab the, spe- or the, the uh, javelin and throw it back at him. <laughs> he didn't say, how dare you? Don't, who do you think you are? Is anyone like me? I would have been like, uh, you, all right, it's on now. <laughs> it's on like Donkey Kong, as they say, right? <laughs> you throwing a javelin at me, I'm going to. And the Holy Spirit says, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't throw it back. You see, people will throw all kinds of nasty, mean, disgusting words and and attacks and slanders our way. Are we going to retaliate? Are we going to attack back? This is David who just killed a nine foot nine inch or so, a nine foot nine inch giant named Goliath. I'm sure he could take Saul if he wanted to, but he chose not to. He chose not to. Look at verse 14. Verse number 14 of 1 Samuel 18. And David behaved himself wisely in all his ways, and the Lord was with him. Now, here's, the, here's the, where it turns. Saul realizes, okay, I can't get this whole thing to work for me. The whole javelin throwing is not working, so he tries a different method. Uh, look at First Samuel 18, look at verse 17. Verse 17. And Saul said to David, Behold, my elder daughter Merab, her will I give thee to wife. Again, he's pretending, he's faking, he's acting. He, he doesn't truly want uh, David to be his son-in-law. Only be thou valiant for me and fight the Lord's battles. For Saul said, see, in his heart, this is what he's thinking. Let not mine hand be upon him, but let the hand of the Philistines be upon him. So he's thinking, okay, if I can't kill this guy, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, elevate him to a position of, of military leader and go out, I have him go out and fight the Philistines and let them kill him for me. Uh, Look at verse 18. And David said unto Saul, Who am I? And what is my life for my father's family in Israel that I should be son-in-law to the king? He didn't feel worthy uh, to be uh, son-in-law, the king's son-in-law. Verse 19. But it came to pass at the time when Merab, Saul's daughter, should have been given to David, that she was given unto Adriel, uh, the Meholathite, to wife. Again, uh, Saul is not being true. Saul is not being uh, sincere and honest here. Uh, He's faking. He's pretending. He's trying to kill David, but in a different way. Now, uh, he continues to try to hurt David, and if he can't kill him with the javelin, uh, then he'll have the Philistines kill him for him. Uh, and, and, of course, he's not going to give him his wife. He didn't really mean to. Look at verse number 20 of 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse number 20. And Michal, Saul's daughter, loved David. And they told Saul, and the thing pleased him. Not because he wanted David to be a son-in-law, but because he thought, okay, I'll have it work this way. Look at verse 21. And Saul said, I will give him her that she may be a snare to him, and that the hand of the Philistines may be against him. Wherefore, Saul said to David, Thou shalt this day be my son-in-law in the one of the twain. And Saul commanded his servants, saying, Commune with David secretly, and say, Behold, the king hath delight in thee, and all his servants love thee. Now, therefore, be the king's son-in-law. And Saul's servants spake these words in the ears of David. And David said, 
Seemeth it to you a light thing to be a king's son-in-law, seeing that I am a poor man and lightly esteemed? And the servants of Saul told him, saying, On this matter spake David. And Saul said, Thus shall ye say to David, The king desireth not any dowry, but an hundred foreskins of the Philistines to be avenged of the king's enemies. But Saul thought to make David fall by the hand of the Philistines. And when his servants told David these words, it pleased David well to be the king's son-in-law, and the days were not expired. You see the plotting that Saul is doing here? He said, okay, if I can't kill him with the javelin, uh, then, you know, I'll let him marry this daughter so he can eventually go and fight. And and the Philistines, okay, if that doesn't work, then, okay, now he'll marry this daughter and and then he'll go and fight. But I expect him to go and and, and bring me back this dowry and and, and he won't survive. It it won't work and, and he'll die. He's plotting. He's scheming. He's planning all with the intent to try to kill David. He's entangled. I mean, this guy is so wrapped up in his, his, his hatred, his envy, his jealousy, his anger, that he is doing crazy things. Crazy things. And that's the same thing that you and I will do if we don't stop the process of jealousy and envy. We see the approval of David. Uh, we see the animosity towards David. Uh, we see the envy, the enmity, uh, the entanglement. Let's look at lastly, point number three. We see the actions of David. The actions of David. What did David do? Uh, He knew uh, Saul hated him. He knew uh, Saul didn't want him uh, around. He knew that Saul was trying to kill him. Uh, He knew that Saul had it out for him. What did David do? Look at 1 Samuel 18. Look at verse 27. We're almost done. Stay with me. Verse 27. Wherefore, David arose and went. He and his men and slew of the Philistines 200 men and brought and David brought their foreskins and they gave them in full tale to the king that he might be the king's son-in-law. And Saul gave him Michal, his daughter, to wife. So David said, "Okay, I'll do it. Listen, David had to have known that this guy is trying to trick him, that this guy is trying to plot against him, that this guy is obviously trying to take his life. But yet he still submitted to King Saul. You ever have somebody trying to stab you in the back? You ever have somebody trying to plot against you? Maybe it's the the foreman. Maybe it's the supervisor. Maybe it's the the, the subordinate. Uh, Maybe it's a group of people. Maybe it's a a relative. Maybe it's an extended family member. I don't know. Maybe it's a neighbor. Man, they're they're, they're plotting against you, and they're trying to set you up, and they're trying to do things behind your back to to hurt you and to maybe destroy work that you're trying to build and... How do you respond? How do you act towards them? David said, okay, I'll go. Look at verse number 28. Verse number 28. And Saul saw, and he knew that the Lord was with David, and that Michal, Saul's daughter, loved him. He says, man, there's nothing I can do to destroy this guy. I just can't get him. I can't destroy him. I can't kill him. No matter what I do, every plan I put in place, somehow, some way, he survives. Why? Because the Lord was with David. Look at verse 29. Verse 29. And Saul was yet the more afraid of David, and Saul became David's enemy continually. Then the princes of the Philistines went forth, and it came to pass after they went forth that David... Look at how David, uh, he acted, that David behaved himself more wisely than all the servants of Saul, so that his name was much set by. His name was much 
set by. That, that phrase was much set by. It means that it was highly esteemed. He was respected. He was reverenced. Uh, people said, man, that guy David, truly he is a man after God's own heart. That guy David, truly he is someone that loves the Lord, that wants to honor the Lord, that's faithful to God, that tries to live by the principles of the Word of God. Man, that guy, no matter what you say, no matter what you do, uh, that lady, no matter what you say, no matter what you do, she's going to act right. He's going to act right. He's going to respond correctly to persecution, to attacks, to slanders, to being backstabbed. They're going to respond correctly. We see the actions of David. He remained devoted. He remained loyal. He remained committed to honoring God with his life. Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 26, the Bible says, Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. We should live in such a way that we want to bring glory to the Lord not to us. We should live in such a way that if someone uh, takes uh, uh, glory from us or someone takes credit from us or someone... Listen, it doesn't matter because we're living to please the Lord, not to praise us. We're living to praise Him, not to praise ourselves. Let's go back to our story that we started the sermon with tonight. There was a rich rich brother and a brother that was a contractor. Again, the contractor... Uh, brother was well off, but he wasn't as filthy rich as his other brother. And so through the years, the contractor brother had always told his rich brother the kind of house that he ultimately wanted to build for himself. The problem was that he just didn't have enough money to build it. The rich brother decided to bless his contractor brother for his 60th birthday. He gave his contractor brother some drawings and he asked him to build that particular house. And he told his brother not to spare any expense. And he said he wanted the house to be perfect. Once the contractor brother opened the drawings and he noticed that it was the exact type of house that he always wanted. It was the exact type of house and he noticed uh, he always wanted to build that house for years and uh, and all the same amenities that he wanted. And the contractor brother got upset. And he said, I'll fix him. I'll show him. I'll stick it to him. How dare he do this to me? so he bought inferior materials for the house and everything was built with low quality materials. And after the house was completed, the contractor brother thought to himself, I got him good now. I got him good now. Man, is he going to be surprised when he comes and he sees this house? Man, this thing is going to fall apart and hey, he's going to have so much trouble with this house. I showed him and uh, he went to his rich brother and he offered him the keys to his new house. And the rich brother told him, said, no, 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 no. You keep the keys. This house was for you. I wanted you to build this house for you. I wanted to pay. I wanted to finance this house for you. It's a gift from me to you, my brother. I had you build this house as a present for you. Can you imagine how low that contractor brother must have felt? Could you imagine how silly, how Pretty, pretty much how stupid he must have felt when he realized his jealousy, his envy caused himself to bring hurt his way. He thought he was attacking his brother, but he really was attacking himself. He thought he was sticking it to his brother, but he really was sticking it to himself. He, he thought that he knew his brother's intentions and his motives, 
But he didn't. But he didn't. And he was attacking, really, truly, himself. Saul, in 1 Samuel chapter 18, David just won a tremendous victory for the nation of Israel. The nation that you're the king of, Saul. Uh, David just did something good on your behalf, Saul. David just did something that you yourself weren't willing to even attempt to do, Saul. And yet you're trying to destroy him because you're mad, you're envious, you're jealous. Listen, envy and jealousy is like acid. It destroys the container that holds it. So tonight, let's walk away from 1 Samuel chapter 18 and say, Lord... Help me when I feel jealousy and envy rising up within me. Lord, help me to respond like David. Lord, help me to respond in such a way that I don't attack, I don't get entangled, I don't have that envy, I don't, I don't have that enmity. Lord, help me not to let that process start. Uh, Lord, help me that when someone does something that's slanderous towards me or, or backstabbing towards me, Lord, help me not to retaliate. Help me not to be like Peter, slicing and dicing and cutting and stabbing and attacking. Lord, help me not to be like Saul, thrusting my javelin at people. Lord, help me to remember where envy is, there is confusion and every evil work. I don't know about you, but I need to practice a lifestyle like David in 1 Samuel chapter 18. I think every single one of us here tonight can say we've had people say bad things about us. We've had people turn their backs on us. We've had people stab us in the back. Uh, We've had people uh, do things that hurt us. Let's make sure we remember how David acted, how David responded. Everyone loved David except for one person, King Saul. How are you going to treat that one person that doesn't like you? How are you going to treat that one person that's constantly uh, getting under your skin, constantly attacking, constantly just causing problems for you. How are you going to treat that one person? Hey, let's be like David. So that his name was much set by. People said, man, that guy, he loves God. That guy, he's going to honor the Lord. No matter what happens, that individual, they're going to act and respond the right way. How about it, White Oak Baptist Church? Let's let that be our heart's desire this evening. Amen? Let's bow together for a word of prayer. Lord, we do thank you tonight. Lord, we thank you for this very important message that you have for us this evening in this chapter of your word. Lord, we look at this scenario, this, uh, this story that unfolded in the lives of these people. And Lord, you've recorded it for us. Lord, you, you not only inspired it, but Lord, you preserved it in such a way so that we can, uh, so we can read it, Lord, so we can glean from it. Lord, you knew from eternity past who would be here in this building tonight. Lord, you knew exactly what passage we would be studying. And Lord, you knew exactly who needed it. Father, we pray this evening that you would help us, each and every one of us here tonight. Lord, even the young people. Lord, help all of us to glean the truth of of the lifestyle of David. Loyalty, commitment, righteousness. In the face of attacks, in the face of slanders, in the face of backstabbings. Lord, please help us to respond the way you responded to Malchus. You healed him. You loved on him. 
He was your enemy at the time, and, and yet you, show, you showed him grace. Lord, help us to do the same. Help us to emulate David in the way he responded to Saul. Help us not, Lord, to be overcome by the green-eyed monster called jealousy. Help us not to be green with envy, Lord. Help us to be filled with your spirit. And, Lord, may we honor you in every situation. Lord, thank you for tonight. Uh, Lord, thank you for allowing us to meet and gather and study your word and praise you this evening. Be with us as we travel home. Be with our families, dear Lord. And, Lord, we pray you bless the remainder of our week. Bless this coming Sunday and this coming Saturday as well. In Christ's name we pray.